Good morning. Welcome once again to this morning service. I welcome every one of us watching us from wherever you are on, on this planet. From the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. And even right here in Melbourne, you are welcome. Welcome to his presence. And my prayer for you this morning is that God himself will meet with you. That God himself will show himself mighty on your behalf. You're welcome. This morning, uh, we'll be look, going back into his word. We'll be looking at things I believe we've known before. But at times, you know, when Jesus was, when Jesus was here or not, when he preaches, he will say, when he was teaching his disciples, he will say, again I say to you, again I say to you, again I say to you. So today, I'm saying to you again, hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. And I want us, you know, one of the things that God has blessed us with, that God has enabled us, is to have a lot of these messages that we've had again and again. We, all ha we have them online. We have them on our YouTube channel. We have them on our website. So I want to encourage us, each and every one of us, go back, listen to these messages. Feed your spirit with the word of God, not what is coming out of the t television. Not what is coming out of Channel 9, Channel 10, on Foxtel, on CNN, on Sky News. Feed your spirit with the word of God. Listen again and again and again. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want us to bow our heads this morning. I want us to talk to God. Has he been faithful to you? Has he been good? Has it been wonderful? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us. We sang earlier that I will not be silent, but I will always worship you. Lord, this morning we say, here is our worship, receive our worship. From the depth of our heart, we say thank you for all that you have done. For all that you are doing and for all that you will still do. We say thank you. We say thank you. Father, even as we go into your word. The Bible says let the entrance of your word bring forth light. Let it bring forth understanding even unto the simple. We receive light. Eyes to see. Ears to hear. And heart to know, to understand, to receive that which you are saying, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you as, as for a fresh infilling, a fresh outpouring upon me right now. Not just upon myself, but everyone listening and who will listen to in the days to come. In the name of Jesus, fill us anew and a fresh Holy Spirit. Let the, let, let the word become enlightened. Let it illuminate the darkness in our hearts, shining forth the light of the gospel. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This morning, I'll be bringing forth a, a word for us, teaching us, sharing with us on what I've entitled, The Heart and Quality of the Church in the Last Days. The Heart and Quality of of the church in the last days. Amen. 
You will agree with me that the Lord is building up his church in these last days. The Lord is building an army. The silent army. But they are getting some things. They are getting the job done. He's building his church. But we want to look at what are those things? What is in the heart of the Father? What is the quality of that church that the Lord is building in these last days? But before we continue, we want to look at key, two key words in that statement. We want to look at what does the word heart, what does it mean? And also quality. Remember the title is the heart and quality of the church in the last days. So what does the word heart, what does it mean? This is not thus says the Lord, this is in the dictionary. You cannot go to the dictionary and check it out. The heart means it's the most important or essential part. The most important or essential part. If we're looking at it in the natural or in the physical now, looking at our physical body, you will say that your heart, that is the blood pumping organ in your body, is the most important and essential part of your body. Why? Because if your heart is removed, that's the end. If you don't have a heart, physical heart now, that's the end of you. You are no longer alive. You are dead. So the heart is the most important or the essential part. It's also the center, the essence, the core. The word heart, I'll repeat again, is the most important or essential part. It's the center. Is the essence, is the core. It's, it's, uh, it's, that's what everything revolves around. We sing a song that Jesus, you are the center of it all. You are the heart of our worship. You are everything. You are heartbeat. But now we're not talking about a blood pumping organ. We're looking at the heart of the church in the last days. The most important, the essential, the core. What is it that is... that? that um, identifies what is it that causes the church of last day to stand out what are those things that are causing to stand out what, what do they revolve around where are they getting their, the heartbeat, the strength to go up amen and also the second word is the word quality what does the word quality mean it means a distinctive attribute or characteristics possessed by someone or something. I repeat, quality means a distinctive attribute or characteristics possessed by someone or something. It also means a peculiar and essential character. A peculiar or essential character. If we look at these two de um, definitions of the word uh, quality, there's a word there that rings a bell that occurs in both definitions and is the word character or the characteristics. You know, it is repeated several times, meaning that the Lord is interested in the character of the church in the last days. The quality, the character, the, es the essence. You know, what, what are those things that makes, you, makes the church to stand out in these last days? The Lord is interested in the character and the essence of us, his children. Of his children, amen. That is, what makes you you? What makes you tick? If you can put it that way. What, what excites you? What are the things you consider dear? What are the things that are precious 
What are the things that define you as a child of God? That's why we've been looking in the last, uh, last couple of weeks. Pastor has been taking us, we've go, been going through the series, the accurate pattern of building the house of God. And I remember in every session, he will always say, we're not talking about brick and mortar. We're talking about you and I. Because we are the house that, the, that God is building. We are the house that he's building. And we are now looking at the heart and quality of this house that, the God, that God is building. The church that is building. Because you and I, we are the church. The church is not the building. Thank God for the building because we need a place because of the elements. We need a place to gather, to be equipped. But you and I, we are the church. When we go out from the four walls of a building, the church is going out. The church is going home. The church is going to work. The church is going to the market. The church is going to the stores. The church is going to for a business meeting. The church is going for sports. You and I, we are the church. So God is looking at that. Today we're looking at the heart and quality of the church in these last days. Hallelujah. Not just the services, also in, the, in our churches in the house. For those of us who have not been attending, I beseech you, like Paul said, by the mercies of God. Join the churches in the house. Find one that is near you. Listen in. Be there. Why? Because we are doing the, we've been doing a lot of teachings on spiritual growth. And if God is building a house, that house needs to grow. We need to grow. And how do we grow? Those are the things that we've been looking at. Those are the things we've been delving into. Breaking them down. Looking at it. Are you growing? Or are you stagnant? You know a stagnant water will stink. If the water is not flowing. You know, when, the water, when a river is flowing. Is benefiting the, ba- the banks. It's producing nutrients to all, ar- all those who live around the bank, the seashore, or the bank of the river. It's feeding the grass. It's feeding the trees. It's feeding the animals. But once it's, if it's stagnant, after a while it will dry up. So those are the things we've been looking at at the church in the house level. Spiritual growth. Are you growing? That's why in John one day, once again, go back to those messages. Listen to them. Also, join a church in the house. Be there. Listen. Hear. Learn. Grow. Praise the name of the Lord. The heart and quality of the church in the last days. What exactly do we mean by that? What exactly are we looking at? Last week, I remember that we were looking at the story of Gideon. And I said, God is what? He's got your back. That when it seems as if, oh, what, everything is falling apart or not working according to our plans, remember he's got your back. Remember that he's there for you. He's always, what, he's always watching over us because he has promised us that what he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Today we're going to begin our journey again from the book of Judges, chapter 7. Let's go to the book of Judges, chapter Seven. We are looking at Gideon, and we'll be taking at we'll be going crisscrossing the Old Testament and the New Testament. Amen. Because once the Lord has spoken, twice have we heard. The Lord will always confirm His word. Because Scriptures will always what will always will always what shed more light. 
you we balance the word of God with his word, not with our head, not with what we think, not with tradition, but with what his word says. Judges chapter 7. I'll start from verse 1. It says, Then Jerubal, which that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moray. By the hill of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim victory for itself against me, saying, my hand has saved me. Meaning that I don't want them to start saying, no, we are, it was because of us. If we were not there, this, you would not have accomplished this. You would not, not have won against the Midianites. Yeah, we helped you. Yeah, we are taking all the glory. Yeah, we were was, we was strong. We, we, you know, we had the strength. We had the tactics. We had everything. You know how some of us will boast about our accomplishments. But now the Lord said that the people that are with you, they are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Next verse. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. I remember saying last week that if you had an army of 32,000, and 22,000 left. You look up, you look down, you're wondering, how am I going to accomplish this? What is going to happen? What are we going to do? And say, well, okay, 10,000 with over 100,000. Well, by the time we strategize and plan, maybe we'll work things out, we'll get the job done. But what happened? Verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water. I will test them for you there. Who did the testing? God did the te testing. He said, bring them there. I will test them for you. Then it will be that, it will be that of whom I say to you. I want us to pay attention to this word. He says, then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you, and of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps, and you know, and on and on like that. But now, verse 6 says, and the number of those who lap, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees. Verse 7 now says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who love, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. That is, every the 9,700 go away. Return to your homes. I'll walk with this 300. One of the first things I want to say to us about the heart and quality of the church in these last days is that the church of the last days must be united. We must what? We must be united. Praise the name of the Lord. There must be unity in the body of Christ in these last days. Amen. God wants to work with us. 
God wants to walk in us. God wants to use us to display his glory. The Bible says that the, that the, that the earth, they are waiting for the, the, the manifestations of the sons of man. The earth is waiting for us, the children of God, to manifest. But for us to manifest, what must happen? There must be unity. There must be no division. Because a house divided itself cannot stand. Let's look at Matthew 12, verse 25. Matthew 12, verse 25. Matthew 12, verse 25. What does it say? It reads, and I quote, it says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to dissolution, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Verse 26 now says, If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? A house divided against itself shall what shall not stand that is why the enemy in this last days is fighting tooth and nail to divide the church to divide the brethren to cause disunity to cause to cause discord to sow strife to sow, sow to sow seeds of distrust amongst the brethren in the camp of Gideon there was the 300 men whom God chose they were what? They were, they were united. Their hearts were one. They were in one accord. The Bible says on the day of, day of Pentecost, the disciples were gathered together. They were in one accord. They were in unity. And I want us to, again to look at John chapter 17 from verse 20. John 17 verse 20. This was Jesus praying. John 17 Verse 20. It says, uh, Jesus, was, Jesus pray, was praying here. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That is through the word that the disciples were going to preach in the days to come. That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me. And I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may know, may believe that you sent me. See, this is what Jesus was saying. He says, that they all may be one as you, Father, and are in me and I in you. There was unity in the Godhead. There was no division. He says, I'm praying for them that there will be one, that there will be unity. The men of, the men of Gideon. They were what? They were united. How do I know they were united? Because no one said, oh, this, the others are going. We better join them. How can we, how can three of us, uh, 300 of us go to the battle? We can't do it. But their, their heart was open. Their heart was yielded. Their heart was, it was like an abandonment to the, to the will of the Father. There was no division. They were like, whatever you want us to do, we will do. And God saw their heart. Remember I said last week, God searches the heart, not the face. The, th the 22,000 were all ready. They all gathered together. The Bible says that they gathered together. They came to Gideon. 
They said, oh, we are going to fight. We, can, we, we, we are able to go up and take the mountain to possess the land. Let us go. They were speaking, but their hearts were not right. Their hearts were not in it. That's why when God said, tell them, those who are fearful. Weren't they fearful when they left? Gideon would have thought he had an army. But God searched the heart. He looked at them and said, just tell them, anyone who is afraid, go back home. And 22,000 went back. Remaining 10,000. And still the 10,000, the Lord said, it's not right. There's something still wrong. This, the heart of this remaining ones, yet maybe they're a bit um, strong-headed. He said, okay, I will test them. Did the people know that God was testing them? No. But Gideon knew. Because he didn't tell them that, oh, okay, God wants to test you. Let's go to the river. He just said, God spoke to Gideon himself, take them to the river, and whoever does this, does that, does that, I will save by them. And God now said, these ones are the ones I work with. They, their heart were united. Their heart was one with the visionaire. Their heart was one with the mission that was on ground. They were, they were not looking to the side or looking to the left or saying, oh, what are we going to do? No, no, no. Their heart was united. In these days that we are in, God is looking for men and women whose hearts are steadfast, whose hearts are stayed on him, who are not dilly-darling, who are not wavering, who are saying, yes, Lord, to your way and to your will. Yes, Lord, to all that you have ordained concerning me. Yes, Lord, I may not understand, but yes, Lord, I will go all the way for you. Yes, Lord, if you are with me, Moses said, if you are not going to go with us, we are not going to leave this place. And that's what, that's the heart that the Lord is looking for in these last days. The last day, church, our hearts must be what? United. We must be one with the Father. We, our hearts, we must not allow the enemy to sow discord amongst us. Jesus said, let them be one. Meaning that let there be unity. Let there be oneness. The Godhead, there's no division. Jesus will not say, oh God, you are, yes, you are God, you stay there. Holy Spirit, I'm, you know I'm older than you. You know, I, you know I, died for, I died for them. So Holy Spirit, you have, no, no, no. There's unity. To accomplish the job at hand, there must be unity in the body of Christ. That is a heart, one of the heart conditions and the quality of the church in this last day. There must be unity. We must do everything in our strength by the enablement of the Holy Spirit to avoid division, to avoid strife, to avoid things that will, that will cause a breakdown. You know, when there's a breakdown in the body, there's a problem. But when the body is whole, when every, everywhere is, the whole body is healed, there's strength to do, to accomplish. But when the, a part of it is maybe is, is not at ease, there's a disease somewhere, the other part, will, it will affect the other part. So also in the body of Christ, every one of us must be strong. The Bible says those that appear in Zion, they must be strong. We need to be strong. And unity brings strength. There's strength in unity. We must be strong. We must be united. The, the men of Gideon, they were strong. They were united. 
There was unity. No one broke the ranks. No one went their own way. No one said, okay, no, 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 no. Gideon, you want to kill me. I have a family. I have children at home. How can 300 go to the battle? No, there was oneness of heart. There was unity of purpose. Unity of spirit. That's the heart and one of the heart and conditions that God wants for us in these days. One of the qualities for the church in these last days. Will you be that person whose heart, who, whose character God is molding? That's why those, those teachings that we've done in days past are so important. They are teaching us to know how to build, how to become one with God. How to be, how to be in unity with one another so that we are not fighting one another. Because the enemy th- thrives there where there's fight. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Another quality or heart condition or quality of the church in the last day is that one thing we'll find is that God is using the small or the insignificant to do extraordinary things. In this last day, it's not about how big. It's about how well. It's about the yieldedness. It's not about, oh, we are, we are many. Yeah, we are able to do it. Remember Gideon's men? Just 300. And God was able to use ordinary men to do what? Extraordinary things. That is what God is doing in this last day. It's not about how big you are. Thank God for bigness or many. But God is still able to save through small. Because one with God is in majority. You, the, 20, the 22,000, they were there, but God could not use them. He could only use 300. Why? Because God is not looking for big, for, if I could say bigness. We sang, God is, we sang, God is big. He's big. We have a big, 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 big God. He's large. He's a great God. Yes, he's a great God, but he's looking for a heart that is yielded, a heart that is no open to him in these days. He used just 300 out of 32,000. Hallelujah. Is God against big? I don't think so. But now, what's the point of having a crowd of 32,000? Who, had, who, don't, who do not even have the strength of one person. Our pastor has said many times, and I'm sure you've heard him, he said, he's, we've been, we are asking God, we want a church of 300 that has the capacity of 32,000. That is what 32,000 strong men will accomplish. 300 will accomplish even much more. That means we must grow up. As a, as a person, as an individual, grow up, not grow up physically, grow up building, building your muscles. We're not talking about going to the gym. We're talking about going to the gym of the spirit. Reading, taking his word and doing his word, meditating on his word. Because as you take in his word, your spirit man becomes, becomes strengthened. It becomes strong. You can do exploit for God. You can do that which God wants. An example of this also we see in, the, in, the, in David. If you look at the story of David. Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel 22. This is how they started. David's men. The Bible tells us that there were four, 400 of them. 
Not thousands and thousands, not even 1,000. He said there were 400. First Samuel chapter 22. First Samuel chapter 22. Verses 1 and 2. What does it say? It says, therefore, this is when um, Saul was after David's life. He had to escape for his life. Because Saul was bent, King Saul was bent on killing him. So it says, therefore, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. That is, they joined him. Verse 2. And everyone, look at it, everyone who was in distress. Everyone who had, who was in debt. And everyone who was discontented, that is, they were not happy with what was going on, they didn't, like they didn't know what to do anymore, gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about how many? 400 men with him. That was David's men. 300 was with Gideon. Remember I said God is going to use the small, the ordinary, to do extraordinary things in this day, in these last days that we are in. I want us to read that verse 2 again in the message translation of the Bible. If you have the message translation, I want us to look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 2, 22, sorry, verse 1 and 2 in the message translation of the Bible. It reads, and I quote, it says, So David, from verse 1, it said, so David got away and escaped to the cave of Adullam when his brothers and others associated with his family, that is his family members, heard that he that left, heard where he was, they came down and joined him. How many will there be in his family? At, maybe at, at most, maybe about his father, his mother, his siblings, um, uncles, those Probably 30, 40, let's be conservative about it. Join him. Verse 2. It says, not only that, but all who were down to the, down on their lock came around. Look at those who came. Losers. Vagrants. Who are vagrants? That is, they have no house. They are homeless. They go from place to place, look and begging. Say, vagrants and misfits. That is, they didn't fit. They are just different people, just bound, banded together of all sorts. It says misfits of all sorts. Can you imagine having misfits around you? You move away from them. Because like, where are they going? You have, what, what, what ambition do you have? What plan do you have for yourself? What are you thinking about your future? Oh, he said this one, they had no plans. What, they were vagrants. They had no home. They were homeless, jobless, going up and down. Some of them even begging because says that they were in debt. David became their lead. I wonder. David became what the leader of the misfits, of the losers. Wow, that's a wonderful leader. The leader of leader of losers. And remember, God is using the ordinary, what people have called inconsequential. Who have those whom they've called? We say what say the non-entity. You are non-entity. That is, you don't matter. He says, David became their leader. They were about 400 in all. Losers, vagrants, and misfits of all sorts. Picture, I want us to picture it in our mind. Have an imagination of this. And these were 
people who gather to you you are looking at them like what are this what am i going to do with this ones i'm running for my life you have you are coming with your own baggage and with your own problems and everything you're adding it to mine what am i going to do with you but you know what david didn't send them away and if we look at the book of judges if we go back to judges chapter 6 the bible tells us that it didn't the bible didn't say that uh mighty men or the men of war joined Jerubal that is Gideon let's look at uh, judges let's go judges chapter 6 let's see the men who came who came to Gideon in whom the 33 were part of look at verse 34 judges chapter 6 verse 34 It reads and I quote but the spirit of the lord came upon gideon then he blew the trumpet and the abizrites gathered behind him he didn't say men of war he said people of abizrite they did what they gathered behind him verse 35 and he sent messengers throughout all manasseh who also gathered behind him So there must have been misfits amongst them also. There must have been those who were just wandering. They were not men of war because the Bible didn't tell us that they were men of war. It said men that gathered to him. It was a gathering. So he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulon and Naphtali and they came up to meet them. So these are all the, those the men that came to Gideon. And it was out of this gathering It, Bible they say men of war out of this gathering that God said now all of you you're too many your hearts are not as one you need to go back although this you those of you are afraid go back those of you who are fearful go back and i'm going to do a test and then just 300 were left We don't we are not the Bible didn't tell us whether they were men of war but it didn't say men of war in the Bible and we'll t- we'll keep it so simple so we don't add what is not there to what is there amen it says the men gathered to Gideon because this is now me thinking if they were men of war I'm sure there would have been more than that and remember like we looked at last week they didn't fight they held the torch and the pitcher and they shot blue they, they held the torch and the pitcher in one hand and the trumpet and they just blew the trumpet and god did the rest so they were not men of war now look at david's men those who are in debt discontented the losers the vagrants the misfits they gathered you don't go to battle with those with such a people but what did they do they be, david became their leader because god was going to do something out of the out of those men have called ordinary out of what god has um, people have have no looked down upon don't let men look down upon you there's something there's greatness in your dna there's something about you that has not yet come out 
as you allow God to build you up, as you allow God to raise you up, as you allow God to do an internal work. Like we always say, if there's no internal governance, if there's no internal governance, then there will be external governance. What does that mean? If you, are, if you don't work on your inside, your spirit man, it will be done for you or from the outside. Or you will not be able to control what comes to you. You will not be able to stand tall when challenging times come because there's no internal governance. That is, you are not disciplined on the inside. And it will take God teaching us, growing us, putting men in, putting men over us, mentors over us to teach us, to show us. David was a man like this. The Bible says he became their leader. Gideon became the leader of this 300. He became their leader. And that's going to take all, I'm going to look at what happened to David's men. These losers, the what again, the vagrants, the misfits. What happened to them? They went to the, um, military school. They went to the, um, what is it called? Army, army school. They went, into the, they went into the army to train. They went into the, to, to learn the techniques. No, 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 no. They went into the trenches. They went down. What became of them in the end? Look at Second uh, Samuel 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Verses from verse 8. We'll not read all. I'll just take, I'll take us through some of them. Second Samuel 23 from verse 8. If you have a Bible like mine, the heading says David's mighty men. Ah, David's mighty men. Is that, but I thought they were losers. They were vagrants. They were misfits. They were in debt. They were discontented. They were, no? The dregs of, we can say the dregs of society. I thought that is who they were. But now this, the Bible says, David's mighty men. And it's just verse 8, it says, These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. The misfits. Those who were in debt. Those who did, had no future. When we were growing up, we had, when we were in school, we had a saying, NFA. We used to call people NFA. Not the Nigerian Football Association, no. NFA, no future ambition. That is, they had no ambition. You, if we see people playing when they're supposed to be studying, we'll just say, this is an NFA. That is, you don't have any future ambition. Nothing good will come out of you. So that's what they were when they joined David. And I believe that's what the men, of, that, the men that joined Gideon too, that's what they were when they joined them. But now, after they've gone through what I'll call process, what we call process, Process in God with the with you know with the one whom God has put over them, they became what mighty men. It says these are the names of the mighty men whom David had, and it goes on to list all these names. If you look at the whole of from verse eight to the end of that chapter, he named them. These are the mighty men, uh, Josh Josh there's so many tongue twisters here. Yeah. Joseph Bash, Bashibeth, the Tacomites, chief among the captains. He was, he was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. 
Those were the misfits. Those were the dregs of society. He killed 800 men at one time. Spend, spend time, go through those lists. The misfits became mighty men. Because God will use the ordinary to do what? Extraordinary things. I want to draw a parallel in all these in the, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want us to go there. We are looking at the heart and quality of the church in these last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. The Bab- Here the Bible says, perilous times and perilous men. Verse 1, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Why will perilous time come? Because there will be perilous people. So those perilous people will create this perilous, perilous time. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. This is talking about the nature and the character also of the last days. But now, God has his own plan for the last days also, for his church. And that's what, we are, that's what concerns us more. But now we need to look at what the world is going to become for us to know how we can adjust ourselves, how we can, you know, prepare ourselves and what is God, know what God is looking for, what God, the quality and the state and condition of our heart that God can work with even in these last days. Let's verse one again. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Let's go on. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Let's stop there for a moment. And let's look at Gideon's men. Let's look at David's men. Will you say that they were lovers of themselves? There was nothing to love about themselves. Because they were, no, they were nobody. I remember I said last week that God is making nobodies somebodies. Are you a nobody today? Hang in with God. Hang around God. You become a somebody. He will make you into a somebody. That people will reckon with, look at them and say, Oh, have you, like he said to Joe, said, have you, have you heard about my servant? Have you considered my servant? Do you know this God is waiting to display you even in this last day? He says, For men will be lovers of themselves. The men of Gideon were not lovers of themselves. The men of David were not lovers of themselves. He says, Lovers of money. They even had no money. So there was no money to love. They were in debt. They owed everywhere. No wonder they ran away. So that they are. Those who they're owing money to will not, will not be looking, will be looking for them and they, they will find them. They've disappeared. Owing everybody. Oh, I want to buy, I need to buy food. Can you just give, just give me a little. I'll pay you next week. Next week become another next week. Next week will never come. I'll pay you tomorrow. And you know tomorrow never comes. Uh, what of the money you're owing me? Tomorrow. Where's the money? You say you give me tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. And you know tomorrow never comes. They, but in, but in the last days in the earth, for those who are not in Christ, this is, what, this is what the Bible tells us is going to happen. And we are even seeing that in these days. Look at the church today. 
Even in the church, there are those who love themselves. There are those who are lovers of money, who are boasters. God said, I can't use these I mean, men are too many so that they, don't, they will not begin to boast or they are not proud and saying that we are the ones. It's through our hands that God delivered the media. God delivered the Midianites to us. We fought. Isn't that what is happening today? Even in the church, men are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They are boasters. They boast over oh, my accomplishment. I'm a self-made man. Oh, my own hands have done this. If you're a self-made man, you're a disaster going somewhere to happen. Amen. It says they are proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Isn't that? Look around today. Look at children that have been raised today. Even look at parents. A cycle, a cycle is, going, is going on. Parents that were disobedient to their own parents are raising children and putting the same thing into them. And they, those children also are becoming disobedient to them. There is no God in their life. There is no discipline. There is no internal governance. There is no one to call them and say, sit down, listen. Things are not done like this. We are children of God. We are believers. There's a manner. There's a way in which we ought to live our life. There's a heart and there's a quality of, of, of which God expects of us as his children. There's a manner in which we must live. They are unthankful. Pastor will say ungrateful people will never be great. If you are not grateful... If you are not thankful, you cannot be great. Because thanksgiving does what? It opens the door of heaven. It opens, it creates, it creates the atmosphere of God around you. The psalmist says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. Enter with the password of praise. The password that will unlock doors for, for us in this state. In this last is the password of praise. Do you have the password? Or your own password is complaining. It will shut the door. Are you a complainer? That is the sign of the last days. But now, I, I believe that the men of David, the men of Gideon, they were, they were thankful that even they had somewhere to gather to. And there was provision for them because they had someone who was leading them who had the spirit of God upon them. And that leads me to the next one that what? One of the qualities or characteristics of the last day church is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be the one leading us. Gideon was led by the Spirit of God. David was led by the Spirit of God. But you might say, oh, but the Holy Spirit had not come then. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go back to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. The leadership of the Holy Spirit is very important. Judges chapter 6, verse 34. What does it say? It says, But the Spirit of the Lord 
came upon Gideon. The what? The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That's why how that's why he could hear what God was the instructions God was giving him. That this this men are too many. I can't use this one. He says the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Yes, the spirit had not the Holy Spirit had not been poured out under the old covenant because Jesus had not been cut up, had not been had not gone to the grave, had not been the sacrifice, his blood was not shed. He hadn't gone to the cross. But down under the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit used, will come and will rest upon to accomplish a particular um, task or whatever God wanted done and he will leave. So the Holy Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abizarites gathered to him. And in verse 7 we said, and the Lord, verse 2 says, and the Lord said to Gideon, how will he, he how will Gideon hear if the Spirit of the Lord was not upon him? And he was able to give direction. He was able to give instruction. Okay, those who are fearful, go. Those who are, those who are afraid, go back home. This is, come to the river and drink the, drink the water. God didn't tell them, God didn't tell Gideon that, tell them that those of you will laugh like this. No, he just said, drink. Drink. And then God now said, this is what you look for. The spirit of the Lord was guiding. One of the quali- what qualities and the heart of the church in this last days is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit like no other time, no other season in church life than now. The Holy Spirit leading us, the word of God guiding us, giving, dist- giving, you know, giving direction. The Holy Spirit told Gideon what to do. What about David? Let's go to Sam, um, 1 Samuel chapter 16. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 13. This is where David was, was anointed. Let's, let's back off to, um, let's start from verse 1. We'll do a quick read there. David anointed king. Remember, David was a shepherd boy. He was minding his own business, taking care of the sheep, and, you know, and playing his harp in the fields with his sheep. He was contented with that. Verse 1, chapter 16, uh, 1 Samuel says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with, with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his own. God said he has provided himself a king. That is God himself has, is doing the choosing. He's the one leading. See the leadership of the Holy Spirit here. Because the spirit of the Lord also was upon Samuel. He was a prophet of God. The prophets of old had the spirit of God upon them so that they could accomplish the assignment God gave to them. He says, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Next verse. And Samuel said, how can I go? 
If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you will do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. God said, I will show you what to do. He was given instruction. Was God standing before him face to face and telling him, no, by the spirit of the living God inside him. Remember the leadership of the Holy Spirit guiding, guiding us through with his word even in this last day. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Thank God for obedience. Gideon obeyed. David also obeyed. He says, so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. He must have been tall. You know, I'm like tall, handsome, six packs. Yes, that looks like the man I will marry. He has six packs. Hey, be careful. That, that pack can go down. Amen. He says, Do not look at his appearance. Or at his physical stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Or as women sees. Looking at the six pack. Ask God. Be led by the spirit of the living God. Don't go by sight. Don't choose by sight. Not just women. Even men. Oh she's so beautiful. She's so pretty. Oh she brought that. Oh who is that lady? There's this new lady that started coming to church. Wow. The car she wears, the way she dresses. I think I, I, I want to, I want to meet, I want to know more of her. And then you go to pastor. Pastor, we, we, we have not been doing follow up in church of little. We need to do more follow up, more follow up. And, and pastor will go, okay, yeah, we need to, yeah, but uh, pastor, there's this, there's this lady. I think, I think we need to follow her up. Yes, it's not only her, there are other people also. Uh, but let's start with this one first. Then we'll, from her, we'll go move. Sight. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't be moved by what you see. In this last days, in this, in the church of the last days must be led by the Spirit of God and by His Word. My, praise the name of the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen this. I'm sure at this time Jesse will, um, Samuel will, will be thinking in his heart, Lord, don't get me into trouble here. You brought me to this place. You say you are going to give, you are going to... Show me the one that you have chosen. But these are all these sons. They brought everybody out now. You want Saul to kill me? But remember, 
God will use the ordinary to do extraordinary things. He's not looking at for your heart. He's, he's not looking at the faith, physical structure, his look, uh, physical features. He's looking at it. He's looking for, for one whose heart is yielded, whose heart is, you know, is sold out to him. Verse 11. And Jesse said to, Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There, that is Jesse now said, There remains yet the youngest. Okay, now I remember. And there he is. He's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. Your day of appointment is, is near. The, day, your, the time in which God is going to showcase you is near and people will not see that until you come. That means you must rise. You must shine because the light of God has come upon you. The glory of the Lord must be seen upon you. You are rising and you are shining. You are displaying the glory of the Lord even in this day. Remember, it's a new season. The floodgates are increasing. There's an increase in the floodgates over you. you are, imagine, I remember the, what God gave us last year. When the pandemic started, he said, we are imagined infinitely better than when this whole thing started. You are imagined better. You are imagined stronger. You are imagined faith more, you're becoming faithful in your work with God, in your service in the, to the Lord. Your heart is becoming yielded more and more because God is working in you, but to do of his good pleasure, you are rising and you are shining in the name of Jesus. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. The Lord will say to you, This is the one. This is my beloved. He will say that concerning you. He will say that concerning me. In the name of Jesus. Because we will arise to do his will. Because our hearts will be steadfast. Our hearts will be united. Our hearts will be as one. In the name of Jesus. Verse 13. That's where I'm going. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Not in the corner. Everyone saw it. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. He says, from that day forward, what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. He was led by the Holy Spirit. So that was why when he went to the cave of Adullam, and the men who are in death, who are distressed, the misfit, when they gathered to him, there was something on the inside of David. Who, there was something on his inside that could transform their life because there was a deposit of God in him upon his life to know to bring about transformation transformation in the life of others. Here in the city of refuge, there's a calling of God upon our lives to transform lives, to change lives. Pastor has said it many times, he is a builder, building us up. There's something upon, God has placed his hand upon him, has deposited grace upon him to help us to grow, to help us to, in the knowledge of God. Are you yielded to it? Are you tapping into that grace? Or you're cutting yourself away from grace? Don't cut yourself away from grace. How do you cut yourself away from grace? When he says, oh, is it not pastor? When we become familiar with the grace of God. When we become familiar with the anointing. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. God is leading us as a church. Through his servant whom he has placed over us. 
He's leading us. He's directing us. And you better do well to listen and to follow, to hearken. And you can't do that if you are full of yourself. If we are full of ourselves, we can't do that because we think, okay, is he not pastor? No, is he not? Is he not? Is he not? We become familiar. I remember what I say. Familiarity brings what? Content. Don't get familiar with the anointing. It's like it's trying to say, don't get familiar with God. Yes, he's not God, but the grace of God is upon his life. Don't get familiar. Tap into the grace that is there. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon David from that day forward. That's why the misfits, the dregs of the society, could become mighty men. Why? Because they, li- they, they listened to David. They followed his instruction. Would they, have made, would they have made mistakes? Yes. But now, the grace of God upon the life of David was enough, was there to channel their strength, to know which, which, what is their area of strength, where they can function. Also in Gide- the men of Gideon. Remember, that God didn't call them men of war. He just said David's men. But they became mighty men. Transformation came through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The same thing with Jesus also. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in Luke chapter 4 from verse 18. We need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus was, he was God on, he was God on the face of the earth, but he still needed the help of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4 from verse 18. It says, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was quoting Isaiah. He found, the Bible says, he found the place. Let's read from verse 16. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. And on the Sabbath day, sorry, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. What was written? Find what is written concerning you. Find the script that has been written concerning you and follow that script. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you through those who can help for that to also interpret that script better for you. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him for a reason, not to come and sleep, not for more sleeping. The Holy Spirit came upon Gideon to do some, to accomplish something. The Holy Spirit came upon David to accomplish something. Here we see the Lord Jesus saying also, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to do what? To accomplish the following, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The hope, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord is, the Lord is reminding us today that look, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to walk by the Holy Spirit. We need to listen. We need to yield our lives to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need to invite Him every day. I want us to quick, quickly also look at Acts 10, 38. What does it say? Acts 10, 38. Still talking about Jesus. 
Acts 10, 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Spirit and with power. And because of this anointing, and because the Holy Spirit was upon him, what did he do? He who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. The Holy Spirit upon him. We need this. Some of that, this is one of the qualities of the church of this last day. That's what must be the essence, the center of the church of this last day. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. From verse 14. What does the Bible say? Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. As many as are led by what? The Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Holy Spirit, these are sons of God. Are you a son of God? Oh, I, I'm sure you will say, yes, I am a son of God. But are you led by the Holy Spirit? Or you are led by your senses? You are led by sight? You are led by the natural, by your feelings. It says, as many as are led by the Holy Spirit. These are the sons of God. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. Not by opportunities. Not by signs and wonders. But by the Holy Spirit. Because the devil also performs lying signs and wonders. We must be led by the Spirit of the living God. We must be led by his spirit. We must stand together as one. Because God wants to use you. Wants to use us to do extraordinary things. Even in this land. Those whom men have looked down upon. And say oh nothing good can come out of you. God is waiting to show them that something good can come out of you. But we must be yielded. We must allow him to lead us. We must allow him. To do what he has ordained concerning our lives. I want to end again with um, the book of Timothy that we looked at earlier. Second Timothy. I want us to look at those, the nature of the last days. Second Timothy 3. It says, but know this that in the last days perilous time will come. Meaning that there's going to be, there will be trouble in the last days. Things are not going to be as easy as it was, as it was before. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, no internal governance, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The men of David, the men that gathered themselves to David, loved David. If they didn't like, if they didn't love him, they would not have gathered to him. And then they loved the God. His, they loved him with the God him, he served. Because he will let them, I'm sure he will let them know that look, this is not just about me. The one I serve, the one whose I am. The one who, whose hand is upon me is the one I'm serving. If you want to follow me, 
then we, have, we are on this journey together. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. We must do what he says. That's why David won so many wars. He was a great king in Egypt. Even till today, there's a star of David even on the flag of Israel. The star of David. Because he was a man. The Bible says a man. God himself testifies. He says, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Verse 4 again says, Straighters, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, embrace them. Oh, let them become your best friend forever. Your, my BFF. He says, no, he says, from such people, turn away. Have nothing to do with them. Can two walk together except they be agreed? He says, turn away from such. The men of David, the men of Gideon. Though they might have started out very, very rough, but by the time they finished, they became mighty men. Being led by the Holy Spirit. Being willing to follow. They had, there was oneness of spirit. There was a unity in the spirit. There was, they didn't allow division. They didn't al allow strife to divide them. That is the hallmark of the church of the last days. We must be united. We must work together as one. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. God is going to, God is, is using this small, what those who, are, those who have said is non this doesn't matter. He's using those who are, who have no, no, what would, how would I put it now? Of no consequence, making them to become mighty men. He's taking nobodies and turning them into somebodies in the name of Jesus. If you are a somebody, I want you to arise this morning. I want you to begin to declare what has God said over you? What has God spoken over you? Even if you don't even know what God has said, what has he spoken to us as a church? He said this is a year of open doors and limitless possibilities. He said this is a, that the flood, the ink, there's an increase in the floodgates. And he told us if you are, you are listening to the Spirit Life devotional, that he was sharing, he was talking about, about God, how God spoke to us to put on the coat of honor. Are you putting on your coat of honor? Or you are putting your own coat of dishonor? Put on the coat of this. Begin to declare those things over you today. Begin to declare what God is saying. Even as a church to us, we are emerging. Those words have not, it's not done with. God is still at work. We are emerging infinitely better. We are getting better at what we are doing. Our work with God, we are getting stronger. We are growing in God. We are maturing in God. God is working in us, but to will and to do of his pleasure. Father, we thank you this morning. On this day, Lord, we give you glory. We thank you for your work, for your word to us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, because it's a year of limitless possibilities. With you, nothing is impossible. And also, whosoever believes, nothing shall be impossible. We believe, Lord, that, Father, you have put, you are putting on us again afresh the coat of honor. Thank you for your honor. Thank you for that coat of honor. Distinguishing us, causing us to be favored. We are encompassed with favor round about like a shield in the name of Jesus. My Father and my God, we thank you. Father in heaven, we glorify your name. We declare your kingdom come. Your will be done in us, with us, through us, 
in the name of Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, O oh God, for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit working in us. Help us, O oh Lord, to yield our hearts to you, Lord, that we will be led by your Spirit. We will not be led by circumstances. We will not be led by our feelings, but we will be led by your Spirit, by your Word. In the name of Jesus, my Father, my God, we thank you. Thank you for that which you are doing in these days. Thank you because we are part of that army that you are raising. We will not be found wanting, O oh Lord my God. We will arise, O oh Lord, and declare your kingdom over us. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Even in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, in the nations of the earth, in the name of Jesus. Father Lord, we thank you. We say, blessed be the name of the Lord. To you be all the glory. To you be all the honor. Thank you, King of glory. We thank you for your word. We receive your word into our spirit, Lord. We receive it, Lord, and we thank you for it. Thank you because your word will bear forth fruit in our lives. We will not be forgetful hearers, but Lord, we will be doers of your word. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, King of glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen.